I'm looking forward to our connect groups. They start a couple weeks from now on October the 11th, which is a Tuesday night. Please make a note of that. We have a number of you that have signed up, and I want to encourage if you haven't signed up, um, I'd like to see everybody in the church participate. I'd like everybody in the church to be able to, to be connected and to come. I believe every one of you has a part to play, and every one of you has a deposit that you can put into the kingdom or into this church. Uh, we have three host homes. We might actually have to go to a fourth. We're considering that. But we have three host homes, and we have six couples that will be going to those host homes that are facilitating. So we have a lead couple, and then we have an, a couple that will be assisting and helping them. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda, Pastor Nelson, Pastor Louise, and Pastor Winona and myself, we will not be leading the groups. You will be leading the groups. And we will be coming and cheering you on and participating. But this is something that the body is going to do. Amen? So I want to encourage you. And then next Friday, not next, a week and a half from now on the Friday, September 30th, Dr. Brown will be here. We've got an evening service. Uh, we'll have the times up next Sunday, but probably something like 7 o'clock or something like that, the Friday evening. It's in the bulletin, okay? And then Saturday morning, we have a session with Dr. Brown probably till lunch or shortly after lunch, and then Saturday night, and then Sunday morning. So I'm looking forward to that. Amen. I also want to bring your attention to one thing we didn't have in the bulletin, but I got a phone call this, this week from uh, Pastor Mitch at Hill City. And we fellowship with Pastor Mitch Burroughs, and um, we fellowship with LifeSpring, we fellowship with Southgate and a few others through MFI. And uh, they have a conference in the beginning of October, and they will be back after that conference, and they are bringing a couple of the people that will be down in Portland back with them. So he called me, and he says, hey, we have a, a minister available. Are you interested? And he shared me his name is Bernie Hartog. Some of you, most of you probably have never heard that name before. But he was here at Solid Rock when we were at Salton, and he has a prophetic um, gift, a prophetic anointing on him. And as he was preaching and sharing, there, Pastor Nelson was at about 15, 10 to 15 years ago, somewhere in a number of years ago. But as he was preaching, he, he prophesied that Solid Rock, that we would double, and we did. Okay, that's a prophetic voice. And he spoke to the church, and he says, I see you doubling. And Pastor Nelson grabbed that word, believed it, held on to it, and we did double to the point that the facility started to not suit us. And as Pastor Mitch and I were chatting, he said, he's available. Do you want him? And I said, yes. And that is going to be, um, I think, the 16th of October. You're going to want to write that date down because he's going to come, and I believe that he's going to have some prophetic words for Solid Rock. So, um, and he may have individuals, but I also believe it's going to be something corporate for the body. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Amen. Can you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10? Actually, before we, if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, 
Alicia, we're praying for your mom. Oh, I, I, we're going to take a moment. Um, Alicia's mom had symptoms of a heart attack yesterday, and they're doing an angiogram virtually right now. And so we want that to come back negative, to come back clean. So why don't we hold her up in our prayer? She comes three or four times a year, if not more, um, to see Brendan and Alicia. And I think the grandchildren are a huge draw on that too. But uh, we know her by name. We know her for the input and the legacy that she has with Alicia. But we're going to pray for her. Her name is Jane. So if you can just stretch forth your hands, amen, we can stretch them towards Alicia, and we're going to believe for a good report. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that by your stripes we are healed and we were healed. It is a completed, done fact, and it's a completed act. And Lord, we declare that and we speak that over Jane right now, that this test would come back and say there's no other issues and that she would be strong, healthy, vibrant, and that this will not be something that will plague her, but Lord, that she will move forward in strength and vitality. I also ask, God, that you would just minister to Alicia right now, strength, peace, and comfort. Lord, in your precious name, amen. Amen. I also have one other person I want to say something to, and that's Marjorie. I saw you this morning, and, and you just, and I know you lead worship, and you're worship leader up here, but as I looked up today, God just highlighted you to me. And, and I don't have a lot to say except that he loves you, and he looks at you, and he's pleased. So I, I don't have a lot more. I just want to give that to you. I believe you're going to step out of your shell. I, I, you are a powerful woman of God. And you're going to be stepping out, and people are going to say, who's that? Don't worry about that. Okay? So I... I have to do what God tells me to do. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you walk away going, what was that conversation about? If you ever talk with me, you find out that you'll walk away and go, what was he talking about? And that's not your fault, that's usually my fault. But I've, I've been studying these conversations with Jesus and I want us to look at John chapter 10 and he has this conversation, and in fact, if you look at the passage, it's very much a carryover from John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, last week, we saw that he healed this man that was blind from birth, and everybody got, was trying to nitpick and try to figure out what happened, and when they asked the guy, all he knows was what Jesus did. And sometimes we get so worked up trying to figure out what happened, we miss what Jesus did. And they'd ask the guy, he said, what happened? He says, I don't know. I was blind, now I see. I was this, now I'm that. When God does something in your life, don't always try to figure it all out. 
because he works at a level that you and I sometimes are not there. In fact, he works at a higher level all the time. He lets us know and he shares with us and he shows us, but there are times and there are seasons when sometimes he does something we don't understand. Don't negate the miracle because you don't understand it. So when there's an opportunity for you to see a blind eye open, accept that, move on with it, and thank God for it. So in that instance, Jesus ministered, and as he's carrying on, he carries on a conversation, and he, and he has this interesting statement, and I want to read about 10 to 15 verses, but I want to start with just reading about the first four or five verses. And we have the benefit of, have heard, of hearing this story many times. But if you can imagine sitting down with somebody and all of a sudden he just talks and he starts talking and there's not really a frame of reference for this conversation. Sometimes his conversation will be something that is completely irrelevant to what you think but completely relevant to what he says and wants. And so he's doing some teaching and he's revealing himself. This morning, Joshua, my son, had, had the song of the Lord that Emmanuel, God with us. You know who that was? That was Jesus. As Jesus walked on the earth, one of his names from Isaiah was his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Can you imagine sitting in the crowd like this in a temple and Jesus is sitting here, God with us? And what's amazing about this is many people didn't even recognize or understand or know that. So he, he starts this conversation and this dialogue. And he, and he says to them, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in it by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of the stranger's. He says this, and there's no real context to find this. There's no real, like, well, he was just walking by a shepherd's pen, and he said, hey, guys, you see the shepherd's pen? Let me tell you. He's, he's in the temple, and he just has this blind man healed, and he has this conversation with Pharisees, and then he talks about the sheepfold. And we have the benefit of reading the rest of the story, but when this happened, the rest of the story hadn't happened yet. It hadn't opened up yet. And I have found in these conversations with Jesus that I used to think I was on the side of Jesus, but I have found many times that I actually relate with the disciples. I don't understand sometimes. And what I love about Jesus is, is he takes the time to explain those things to those he loves. And his disciples are, are, are there with him, and, and, he, and, and they didn't understand. In verse 6, he says the figure of speech or the parable that he used, they didn't understand. So he says to them again, 
And I want you to see, this morning I want to talk about the conversation that Jesus has, that he's the good shepherd. And I want you to understand something this morning. He's the good shepherd. He's not the bad shepherd. He's not the terrible shepherd. He's not the absent shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And he shares the first few verses there, and he actually describes what a shepherd looked like. When he talks about the door, by the way, one of the aspects of the sheepfold was there was two areas they had a sheepfold. One of the sheepfolds was right close to the city. So if the shepherds came into the city at night, they would put their sheep through a door, through a gate, and, and into the sheepfold. And what happened is they would have multiple flocks in the same pen. And so when he says somebody that they hear my voice, they would actually, the shepherd would talk. And, and some people say the shepherd doesn't always even talk English. Sometimes, or Jewish, I guess, in this situation. They didn't know English unless they were speaking in tongues. But they would, they, they would speak to the sheep. And sometimes they didn't even speak to them words so much as they uttered sounds. And the sheep would hear the sound of their shepherd. And instead of them walking through saying, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. The shepherd would stand there, speak to the sheep. And they would all of a sudden start coming to him. So when he says things like they hear my voice. He, they, people could understand that aspect of it. But they didn't really have a frame of reference. Why is he going there? Another thing when he says he's the door. The second type of sheepfold they had was a pen out on the pasture. And at nighttime, if they weren't in the city, they would go to this pasture. And they didn't necessarily have a gate like they did in the city, but they had this doorway. And the shepherd, once all the sheep were in this pen, would actually lay down at the door. And think about this as a picture of your Savior. And the shepherd would typically lay down at the door and fall asleep and the sheep would not leave because they would have to get over him. So if a sheep tried to leave, the shepherd would wake up and keep the sheep in the pen. But as he, as he would wake up, he'd wake up and then the sheep would leave and he would call them out. So they don't understand where he's going. And so he takes a, a couple more minutes and he says to him again in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. That's the third time he said he's the good shepherd. What you find in when things are repeated, they're repeated for a purpose. 
And you say, well, are you sure? Uh, yeah, we all have children. Have you ever said to your children once, go to your bed? Or do you sometimes say that three, four, five, 12, 13, 14 times? And why are you repeating it? Because you want them to do what you said. You want them to hear. You, if you tell them to them once, but you tell them three or four times, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. After a while, you don't even have, you just say, go, and, they, and they'll finish the sentence for you. Repetition is there for a purpose. And Jesus is telling them something, and he's letting them know, and he's making this statement. He's making this statement in front of people who now are understanding a little bit because he's saying, I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd. And now what he has done is he's painted a picture of a shepherd and, and sheep, and now he's saying, by the way, I am the good shepherd. And he says it three times in this passage. He says in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus is interested in one flock and one shepherd. We have thousands of denominations. He's interested in one. And it's not that he doesn't care about them. He loves them. He says there, there's, there's other flocks. He says, but there's going to be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So we see this conversation that he has, and some of the conversations start by a question, and this conversation starts by him just stating a fact. And I want, to, I want to show you some things about the shepherd. The first thing I want you to see, and if you're writing down notes, you can write this three or four times, but he's the good shepherd. He's not a good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Just like he's not a solution to your problem, he is the solution to your problem. Not just like he is a way or a truth or a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is not just an option. He is the only one that can do what you need done in your life. He is the only way to salvation. It goes through Christ. He's not one of many. He is one of only one. And too many times we take our relationship with God, and we literally put it as almost like, well, I have three options. And one of the options is what God says, but that's not really weighing too heavy on me. The other option is what I'd like. And the, No. He's the way. He is the good shepherd. And many times... The difficulties we face in our life, I got to be honest with you, are because he's a shepherd and not the shepherd. He's a choice, not the choice. 
And I'm your pastor, and I, I cannot stand here and let you think, well, I just got many multiple choices. No, I've got to beg you, I've got to beseech you, I've got to plead with you. He is the only way. And if you don't come to him, you're going to waste a lot of time trying to get to an answer, trying to get to a solution when he says, I'm the good shepherd right here. No, it couldn't be. It is be. Well, what about, no, he's the good shepherd. I've got like 12 things I want to just share with you from this passage. And as I'm going through this, I'm hoping that you will get a revelation of the goodness of Jesus in your life. This morning we sang songs. Uh, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I will dance before you. I tried to dance, and as you can tell, I don't dance very good. Music moves me, but it moves me ugly. But, but I, will, I will sing. I will dance. Why? Because you are good. You are good. I've talked to people who God has blessed them and some of them just cannot contain the joy or the excitement of what has happened. Why? Because God's good. And man, I just got, I got to tell somebody. Have you ever seen a child at Christmas time? It's like sometimes I think all we have to do is just put something and wrap it and they just get excited about the wrapping. What we sang, I'm going to dance before you. I'm going to shout. I'm going to sing. Why? Because you're good. Think about that. Jesus is good. So everything that he wants for you comes from how he is. And his nature is he's good. So when he asks you to do something and when he speaks to you and when he moves on you, why is he doing that? He's doing that because he's good. He's not out to set you up. We become so skittish, gun shy, and freaked out because another person heard us. Another person said something. Another person treated us. And therefore, we get a picture of God that is incorrect because then when we stand up and say God's good, the only way we evaluate his goodness is how other people have treated us. And that's wrong. And here he's telling them, I'm the good shepherd. And the word good doesn't just mean he's good. It means he's without equal. In fact, the statement is like an exclusive statement. It's a statement or a claim of supremacy. It's like a statement of, I'm the best one. In fact, I'm the only one, is the statement that he's making here. We sang another song this morning. Your name is life. Is that good? Your name is hope. Is that good? <laughs> he's my hope. Look at somebody and say, he's my hope. It says, your name is love. This is a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of, of God. 
and, and what we have of him. And he's standing there and he's giving them this description of a shepherd. And, and I've wrote down about 12 things. Actually, I wrote down every verse, but I'm not going to go down every verse. I, I'm going to show you one, two, three, four, five, 12 things. First of all, this, and these are things about the good shepherd. This is the things about the good shepherd. This is the shepherd Jesus. One of them things is he calls the sheep. Do you know that he talks to you? And he calls you? I read somewhere, you're not a number, you're a name. <laughs> In today's world, that's an advertising campaign. Literally, banks. You're not a number at this bank. You're a name. Hello, Mr. Stunenberg. Not Mr. 108634. Jesus is talking to them, and he says he calls them by name. And what's amazing is not only does he call you by name, but all the stars in the sky have a name. And it's like, doesn't he get... Tired of the names? No, he loves the names. He loves names so much that he, he went to Abram and he says, your name's not going to be Abram anymore, but I see you as Abraham. And he looked at Jacob and he says, no, you're not going to be Jacob and a sneaky guy. You're going to be Israel, one who wrestles and is with God and is blessed by God. And he looks and he changes names. And in fact, there's even stories in the Bible where he gives names. He says, you're going to name him John. You're going to name him this. Names. He calls you by name. In Isaiah 43, verse 1, he says, This says the Lord that created you. Listen to this. He created you, O Jacob, and that formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are not a social insurance number to Jesus. You are a name to Jesus. You're significant. You are significant. In today's world, sometimes we say, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a name without a face. Nobody knows me. Jesus says, no, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. This is number one of the good shepherd. He calls you by name. Next thing I want you to see is that he leads you out. He doesn't go like this. Have fun. He doesn't go, oh, I've had enough of you. Just leave. No, it says the shepherd leads the sheep out. He's going to lead you. Can I ask you who's leading you today? We all have a shepherd. Whoever's leading you. Is it your career? I might step on a few toes here. But if your career is leading you, your shepherd is your career. If your family is leading you, your family is your shepherd. 
Whatever leads you, because the shepherd, by definition, is someone who leads. So whatever is leading you, it might be your education. It might be a young lady. It might be a young man. It might be money. Whatever is driving you and causing you and leading you is what you are looking at as your shepherd. And I'm here to tell you there's only one good shepherd. His name is Jesus. And he says he will lead you. And you say, well, he's not leading me. Are you listening? We're, we're all big people here. I'm not here to offend you. I'm here to challenge you. I don't want you to walk out these doors without having a greater understanding and appreciation of your Savior. I would do you a disservice if I didn't tell you that he leads you and you need to listen. And you say, can you talk? Do you talk to your children like that? How many times in the last week, and don't raise your hand here, because this might be an indictment on our child-raising skills, but how many times have you said, are you listening? <laughs> Sometimes I think Jesus says, are you listening? And I say, lead me. Oh, are you listening? No, just lead me. Are you listening? He leads you. In fact, in Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, He'll feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gent shall gently lead those that are with young. We have a lot of people here with young, and what I've realized is it takes them a whole lot longer to get moving than somebody who doesn't have somebody that's young. And if he will take somebody that has young and lead them, imagine what he'll do with us that are ready to rock and roll right away. I remember when Pastor Winona and I first got married, we could be in church in like 10 minutes. I mean, I get up and I still didn't have a lot of hair back then. And, and it just, you know, and I think I looked good to begin with. And, uh, and I'd get up and get moving. We had a child and it took like a day and a half to get ready to go to church. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he says, even if you're slow, even if you've got young ones, even if it takes a little longer, he'll gently, he'll gently lead you. I'm going to say something here completely off the topic of the sermon, but God's been impressing this in my heart. But all of us that have adult children, we need to find some young people here who have children that are dependent on them, and we need to stand with them, beside them, around them, hugging them, and letting them know they are going to win the battle. Because they are fighting a war that you and I never fought. And they need you and me to stand beside them and being their biggest cheerleader. That was for free. He goes, he leads them out. Then in verse 4 again it says that he goes before them. God doesn't just say, see you later. He says, come follow me. By the essence of the word follow or leads them means that he's in front. Now I know faith sometimes is taking a step without knowing, but it doesn't mean that he's not there with you. 
And this is a picture of the good shepherd. The good shepherd's not going to leave you on your own. He's not going to look at something and be behind you with his hand behind your back, pushing you, saying, it's okay, get out there, get out there, get out there. <laughs> get out there, get out there. <laughs> get out there. No, he's there. It's okay. Come on, I'm leading you. Listen to my voice. Come. Is he going before you? I... In today's world, we live through driveway deliverance. We have microwave miracles. We expect something like fast food delivery. Sometimes we need to learn how to wait on God and let him lead. And as, as, as I've been pastoring, I am more interested in making sure each one of you is doing well than I'm interested in getting another 75 people. I want to make sure each one of you is doing well. And we push and we push and we push. Can we just let him lead us? And he's going to lead you at the pace that you can go at. And by the way, I may be considered a shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. He's the good shepherd, and I want you to connect directly with him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And what he was doing was he was connecting them to Christ. And the good shepherd wants to have a relationship with you. Not vicariously through your pastor. But directly through you and with you. Deuteronomy, it says the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. Joshua, as he was getting ready to transition and succeed from Moses, getting ready to go into the promised land, God meets him and he says, I'm going to go before you. If anything and anyone goes before me, I want it to be Jesus. I want it to be God. Because he's good. He's not bad. He's good. We have grown up with such cynicism. The moment you say something's good, what you know what pops into our head? What about this? You can't make a claim that you're good. He does. He is. He will be. He's not going to change. So what he said 2,000 years ago is just as effective and relevant today. The Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Think about that. Today, as you're sitting here listening to a description of the good shepherd, I am hoping as you walk out these doors this morning that you will say, he's the one that goes before me. That, to me, gives me a whole lot of confidence. There's been times when I've been challenged, and what brings me back is the word of God and the promises in his word. And one of the promises is, he goes before me. So I'm going to walk with you, Jesus, and I'm going to follow you. And that means what is ahead of me, you've already seen. He doesn't go, hey, let's, let's, let's go to this door. Oh, we're going to have fun. Ooh, just go ahead. Just go ahead. No, he says, come. And it's okay because I'm here. And I'm going before you. 
I thank God that I've got a good shepherd. A good shepherd as to oppose to any other kind of shepherd. Number four, the good shepherd, he gives you safety. As I said, he laid across the door, not only so the sheep wouldn't get out, but he'd know if anything got in. I thank God that he watches over me and he keeps me safe. Because, man, I've done some dumb things. We don't have enough time, Pastor Daniel. <laughs> but he provides his safety, his salvation, his protection, and his provision. All in the fact that he lays at the door. And he says, when I lay at this door and I'm the door, you will go in and you'll be safe. But you'll also be able to go out. Why? Because I'm at the door and I'm watching you. And I know when it's time to go, you'll have safe pasture. And the picture there is the shepherd knew when it was time to go and the sheep would be able to go and they were comfortable that they could leave and come back knowing that the shepherd was there. You have a good shepherd that knows you and cares for you and has your best interest in mind and he has salvation and safety for you. And when he does that, that also includes his protection and provision. Psalm 91, verse 4, he'll cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. If we were down south with T.D. Jakes, we'd have a praise break right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. His promises are your protection. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Hallelujah. You don't have to stand up and dance. You, you could just say, thank you, Jesus, and I'll take it. Number six, he gives life to the sheep. This is a picture of your shepherd. I've read this passage many times, but in this conversation I'm having with Jesus, he's just opening up this picture of this is who I am. And I think sometimes we live below the level that he wants for us. Not because of him, but because of us. And I say he gives life to us. And we said, instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, we go, are you sure? Did you check the fine print? Is there an effective date? Why can't we celebrate what his word says instead of be so critical of it? We will pick the negative up and soak that in and live there instead of the positive that he has. He's got life. And his life is like awesome. He gives life to his sheep. It says, for in him we live and move and have our being. He is the one that I get my life from. I don't get it from my sports. I don't get it from this. I don't get it from my money. I don't get it from this property, this thing, this career. This I get it from him. He lets me enjoy those things, yes, but he's number one. 
and he's the good shepherd, and he looks at David Stunenberg, and he says, I'm your good shepherd, David, and I got life for you. Next week, I'm going to talk about abundant living, but I'm going to give you a little teaser. It's found being in the sheepfold. Don't take that verse out. Keep that verse in and be in the sheepfold, and you're going to find abundant living. You'll want to be here next Sunday. You're going to want to bring a friend because it's going to be good. (laughs) He bought the sheep. The good shepherd actually owns you. Now, this, this, this one got me because, like, we're kind of independent beings. Don't tell me what to do. The pastor said, I got offended because the pastor said this. I got offended because the pastor, and, and here's the good shepherd. He says he owns me. Do I actually live as if I'm owned by the good shepherd? I'm just throwing out these questions. You don't have to answer them, but you can maybe write them down. He owns you. You say, show me a verse. It says that we were purchased by his blood. (laughs) We are redeemed. Redeemed means bought back. Each one of you, I'm going to burst your bubble here. You're owned (laughs) by him. Quit making decisions without him. Quit, quit walking around thinking, I, I control my own life. No, you don't. He owns you. When you say you're my savior, that means you have been bought with a price. And you know what? I find that is the most liberating thing I can do because now I just follow what he says. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, I read this, and Proverbs is a great place to start. He owns you. That's a bold statement, but he owns you. He says, I paid for them. I own them. Think about that (laughs) with your giving. Okay, I'll continue. (laughs) Number eight, he does not leave you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is a picture of my good shepherd just from this passage. He says, I don't leave you. He says, the hireling comes and a a wolf comes and he freaks out and he runs away. He says, but not me. Not me. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you. That's my shepherd and he's good. He cares for you. When the hireling runs away, it says one of the reasons why he runs away is he's afraid of the the wolf, but another one says he just doesn't care. He cares for you. It says cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Quit caring things that he says I'm going to care for you about. And I'm not trying to be nay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint you a picture of your heavenly father and his son, Jesus, who is your good shepherd, and everything that comes from him is good. And I'm trying to paint a picture of you that makes you say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that you actually care for me. So when you see the things and the mess that I'm in, and I'm amazed because I make a mess, and you know what? He still cares for me. 
When my children would make a mess, we'd bring them over and we'd say, now, next time you do this, you do this, you do this. And then Jesus, he does that, but he, he wants you to know that he cares for you. You say, what about he cares for you? What about he cares for you? He cares for you. Can we accept what his word says? Can we accept what his word says? And you say, well, you're getting a little dangerous there. Yes, I think we need to live a little more dangerously. I think we need, we need to take, taking steps of faith sometimes is a dangerous life. It's fun. It's not, it's not being stupid. Faith and stupidity are not the same. He cares for you. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord. He will stain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Hallelujah. He knows you. Number 10, he knows you. And then this next one I find amazing. You know him. <laughs> How does that happen? How can the shepherd say that the sheep know him? Because he knows you. And when he knows you, and you get to know him, you end up knowing him. Adam and Eve in the garden. And after they ate of the forbidden fruit, which I don't think was an apple. Um, <laughs> but they, they got clothed. And then it says, and, and, and in some of the translations, it says they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. A couple of them say they heard the voice, but a few of the versions say they heard the sound of the Lord or of God walking in the garden. They knew him. I have four children I can tell which one's walking down the hallway. Why? Because I know them. And I can say something to you, and I can say the same thing to my children, and they will know exactly what I'm saying, and you'll have no clue. And you'll say, yeah, but you just said this. And they'll say, oh, yeah, but you have no idea what he meant by that. Why? Because they know me. There's something that happens when we become his sheep. There's an intimacy of relationship with the Savior that you will get to know him. You'll get to know, as Dr. Brown would say, you spend time with him, you get to understand his... <gasps> I mean, I can laugh one way and my kids know that's not a real laugh. When you become his sheep, you actually know him. How good do you know the good shepherd? I've been challenged. I've been challenged because if I know him, that should mean that every situation I come across, I should be knowing what to do because I ask him to lead me and feed me and direct me. And if that's the case, and I know him, then I should actually be able to be led, fed, and directed by him. 
and I should actually know what to do. And I've had epic fails. The good shepherd, he says, David, he's my sheep, and I've got so good confidence that he knows me, or I know him, but he knows me. And the last one that I got down here is that he lays his life down for his sheep. And that's actually three times in that version or in that passage. And again, it's said for a purpose. Not only is he a good shepherd, but he laid his life down. And, and that, that was not just, oh yeah, I'll do it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he sweat as if uh, sweats of blood. He actually said, God, if it's at all possible, can this pass? This was not just some simple, oh yeah, I'll do it, let's have fun. It says, for the joy that it set before him, he endured the cross. He gave his life for you. And you're not a number, you're a name. So this conversation with Jesus doesn't involve a miracle. It involves a revelation of who he is. And he's standing there with his disciples and with others around him. And every time he's doing things, what he's doing is he's giving a glimpse of heaven. He's showing a glimpse of heaven. The miracles were just a picture of what heaven looks like. As he taught his disciples, he said, um, on earth as it is in heaven. And he came to show and to reveal what the Father looks like. Because if you read this passage, you continue, even embedded in this passage, he says the Father and I are one. He doesn't do things of his own. He does things what the Father shows him. So as Jesus ministered, he actually was carrying out his Father's wishes, his Father's commands, and his Father's desires. And the Father looks at you and he says, my son is the good shepherd and my son would only do what I tell him to do. Therefore, I can look at confidence at my heavenly father that he's my shepherd. He takes care of me. There's 12 things out of that passage that give a revelation of Jesus, the good Shepherd, do not believe the lie that he's bad. Do not believe that lie. And if you get that thought coming through you, stop it now and say, no, he's good. And you say, why? Go to John 10 and read John 10 and you'll see that he's the good shepherd. He's not the bad shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And part of my goal when I've been doing these sermons and this whole series on conversations with Jesus is that you will take this revelation and this understanding and now you will be able to minister to somebody who doesn't know Jesus but now you can show him another glimpse of heaven on earth and what Jesus looks like and you are as a representative of him. 
So that when somebody says something, you know how Jesus responded because you've had a conversation with him and this is how he responded. Therefore, this is how I will act and I will behave and I will respond. And so when somebody who doesn't know him comes along my way and they are frustrated, I can say, I know somebody who's good. And I can show you Someone who's good, who cares for you, who loves you, who gave his life for you, who wants to lead you, who wants to know you, who knows your name, who's there for you, who goes before you. How do you know that? Because you've read the word and you've seen this conversation with Jesus. Yes, I want it to touch you, but I'm praying that it touches you and it continues. Because we struggle with this thought. Imagine somebody who doesn't know him. So I, my prayer is that you would get a revelation and an understanding of Jesus and how fun he is and how good he is that would actually put a smile on your face and you go, it's all good because my Savior is my good shepherd. Amen? You have a good report. Are you going to dance? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I just talked to my dad, and he said that she got out of the uh, angiogram, and she's resting now. And the doctor explained it all, and he said that when he went in there, there was the vein that was bl blocked or anything it was so tiny they didn't feel the need to do any like um stent or anything like that and there was like so the damage that from that vein that would have been like nothing and it cleared up actually on its own with the medication and oh, i say jesus and and uh so she is uh just resting and yeah it's such good news so he said that she should be fine for the rest of her days uh, with good health and um, you know, keep up with their healthy lifestyle and that kind of stuff. So that's the good news. Thank you guys for your prayers. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone here today that you would just touch our thinking, that we wouldn't accept anything less than who you are and what you say you are. And that we would take that and say, that's the standard that I'm going to go for and I'm going to live for and I'm going to expect. And Lord, I ask that we would actually see this and share it with others. That we would give people hope, that we would give people life, that we would give people a light at the end of their tunnel. That being you. And that you would receive all the glory. In your precious name, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.